Halloween party here tonight, Matt. Mm, is that what we're doing tonight, Jay? Yeah, it's just an impromptu little get-together. Figured I'd have a few people over, but one thing is missing. We need another element to this party. What would that element be, Jay? Well, we need some tunes. Oh, you're right. It is a little dry in here. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's dancing. Yeah, so we need some tunes, and I think that uh, it's that time of year when you and I get together and conjure up some of our favorites and make a playlist. Yes, this is, I mean, I don't know about you, but this is my favorite episode to do the whole year. Our spooky songs shows. Hands down, the best. We've been doing this since the beginning. I think this is volume 26, 27, I don't know. <laughs> It feels like it. No, maybe <laughs> six or seven. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's so much fun every time. We're at the point now where we've really burned through the ones that immediately pop into our heads. Definitely had to do like the mainstream, real popular ones. And people always say, like, well, why don't you do the deep cuts? I'm like, well, you can't start out with all the deep cuts. Well, especially us, because our deep cuts are like maybe a little too deep. As they're going to find out tonight, especially with, I think, my list, where I have to basically argue that they're spooky songs. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you have tonight on the Purple Stuff podcast. So we have 10 songs between us, five each. And uh, who wants to go first, Jay? I'll go first. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go with my first Spooky song. Number one. was Midnight Action by a group called Tahiti from 1986 off of the real Ghostbusters soundtrack. 
Now, Matt, have you heard this song before we started talking about our song list? Uh, yeah, but I only found out that the real Ghostbusters had, I mean, it's not even a soundtrack. It's like just a music album, right? They call it a soundtrack, and it, it's full of songs that they use like bits and pieces of in the actual episodes. Oh, I didn't know that part, but I do know that this album is just full of gems. Oh my God, it is. Actually, you and I, this was like one of the first ones that I called this season. We were driving around and you had brought up a couple that you wanted to add. And I said this and you're like, you son of a bitch, because you wanted this one too. So I, I did, know. I did. And it's like, you totally called it first, but I felt like since it was in somewhere in the recesses of my brain that I still deserved it. <laughs> so... This song is that R&B dance vibe from the 80s. Some websites have called it an updated sort of monster mash. I don't I don't really get that. I just think it's like a fun kind of late night dance party where they're talking about Frankenstein, witches and all these kind of monstery type characters. It sounds like something that would like I don't know how to put this. It would like score the montage before the third act in a kid targeted horror movie. Like uh, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. That's exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> so there's like this ghostbusting themed rap break near the end. But I feel like they waited such a long time in the song to pull this rap out. Because it's like the whole gem of this track, in my opinion. If I tell Jack Ma how you been, spooky time's here and I'm back again. Visions, goblins, some monsters and witches, people in a graveyard jumping through the ditches. Bats, cats, secret streets. But it happens like three minutes into the song, which I found pretty baffling. It is a little baffling because this was a like this album was made for six year olds. You shouldn't even have three minute songs to begin with. And you definitely should not be introducing a rap element four and a half minutes into a song. <laughs> So it's got owls, crickets, trick-or-treat sounds, monsters. Aside from like all the sound effects, I don't think I've ever heard a song that used that many instruments. Like they left <laughs> nothing on the table. There are strings, there are drums, electronic beats, triangles, tin cans. It is all in there. It is. Everything's in there. But the best part is like most of the lyrics are completely inaudible to me. Like I have no idea what they're oh saying. Oh my God. I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm like, this is a great song on a great album, but whoever mixed this audio needs to die. It's really it bad. It's like it, you hear, I mean, there's a saxophone somewhere in there or some sort of sax-like instrument, and it is so loud compared to the lyrics. I'm like, these girls know how to sing. Why are you hiding them? Yeah. So, I mean, there's – and you know it's good because – even Frankenstein is grooving. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I don't know how you even narrow down a pick to one song from this album because it's all really good. But Midnight Hour is definitely like one of the great ones from it. Well, Midnight Action is a good one, if that's what you mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Midnight Hour is a song off the Freddy Krueger album. It's always somewhere on my mind. Oh, I see. I see where where your loyalty lies, man. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. <laughs> so, as I understand it, these cassettes would have been sold mostly like in toy stores. They did sell some of them on the racks near the other real Ghostbusters toys, but then you could find it in other stores as well that were not by the toys. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, little kids didn't go to Sam Goody, and if you're in a toy store, you're probably going to gravitate towards the action figures if they're right there. So not a lot of people had this, I would imagine. That and the fact that they were marketing a song called Midnight Action to five-year-olds. <laughs> Ma, you got to get me this album. Midnight Action. <laughs> <laughs> Got some mots in midnight action. <laughs> <laughs> My first pick is the opening theme to Spookies. Oh, nice. Yeah, the fucking nutball insane horror movie from 1986. Cult classic. Yeah, so this song was composed by Ken Higgins and Jim Calabresi, who with yeah. names like that, they like probably should have been grizzled detectives and not a couple of guys who did the score to this movie. <laughs> the whole soundtrack is... More or less like this, like this mix of serious synth and one of those old Halloween sound effects tapes that we used to buy from Hallmark. Yes. Yeah. And I know you have the vinyl album and it is just so up our alley. It's such good background music for the season. Yeah. And I mean, I could have picked any of the songs from this album and made the same pitch. I'm going with the opening theme, though, just because like, I don't know. I've been listening to this one in my car a lot lately, and I just feel like this really gets me in the spirit. Yeah, this one is very you. I definitely can see that. Yeah, it's sort of that depressing organ. Bom, 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 <laughs> bom, 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 screams Matt. <laughs> that sounded like Mr. Sandman. Mr. Spookies. <laughs> of course, the uh, real reason I'm picking this is because I wanted another chance to tell everyone to watch this movie this season. It is the best movie for the season when it's like real late. You're hanging out. Say you have like people over and you're having some drinks. You pop that in, man, you're set for the night. So perfect for Halloween. Absolutely. And um, my thing with this movie is that you remember when we were kids and we were in the video store and we're looking at all the horror movies and we're imagining these absolutely brutal monsters that were so much more intense than what was actually in the movies. Yeah. Spookies is like the rare case where it lives up to the art. Oh, it totally does. And it still holds up a little bit. I mean, it's definitely low budget, but it was it was good. Yeah, I mean, by objective measures, it's not a quote unquote good movie. It's all over the place. It doesn't really make sense half the time. And if like you want to goof on it, it's giving you ammunition. But right. it's like the world's best haunted house ride in the form of a movie. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. 
muck men who break wind, a lady <laughs> who turns into a giant spider and then eats a guy. It has everything. When the title comes onto the screen and the red lettering, it says Spookies. Yeah. It's got the little skull for the eye yep. under, above the eye. Uh, it was very much like the Goonies intro where the words show up and then they're the skulls over the eye. It was like very similar. It's huh. almost like, yeah, it's almost like hmm, maybe they had that in mind. When well, they did hold it. on. Let's 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 continue with this thought. Goonies. Okay. G-O-O-N-I-E-S. That's seven letters. Spookies. Yep. S-P-O-O-K-I-E-S. That's eight letters. Oh, we're close. Oh, I think that makes it even more. Uh, they were trying to insinuate that they were a little more than Goonies? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> Just to read into it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, between the, the Goonies thing, the songs, the giant spider woman, just a great movie full of great tracks. Frankenstein Stomp for their 19th The Fifth Amendment. The Fifth, I'm so, sorry, I was vibrating under you. Yeah, Did you say something their, about the Fifth Element? Was this on the soundtrack? Yeah. This was from their 1985 album called The Fifth Amendment. Uh-huh. I dug this song a lot, I have to say. I guess it's loosely based off the original song called Frankenstein Stomp. It's an old school song. They updated this. It's very rockin'. Uh, here's another track. This is kind of a trend for me tonight. No idea what the hell this guy is saying at all. I just know when he says Frankenstein stomp, I like it. <laughs> you know what's weird? I had the same problem, and I tried to look up the lyrics, and there are all sites that claim to include the lyrics, and then you go to them, and there's nothing written. Yeah. They're just blank. <laughs> it's like, if you have the lyrics, email us at info dot whatever. Nobody knows what the words are to this song. <laughs> taken a lot of my time on the show spotlighting noise making toys those little things that i always play right i can't believe it took you so long to remember what they were called considering how often you bring them up <laughs> so one time you and i went to this flea market it was very backwoodsy uh, we felt like we were in the hills have eyes or something yeah do you remember this uh, i mean you have to narrow it down jay <laughs> So we go to this uh, flea market, and on one of the guy's tables, he had this tiny little um, Frankenstein head. This song sort of reminded me of that, and I figured I'd tell the story. He had a Frankenstein head 
that was about, I don't know, like three inches tall. And it looked like the mouth moved. He was selling it for like 20 bucks. It was this tiny, stupid little old thing that no one gave a crap about. So you, I think you shouldn't have not... wore your good clothes that day. That was your problem. If I would have went up to him, it would have been five. <laughs> Look at this motherfucker. <laughs> no way I'm getting more than five for anything in here. <laughs> so I think I still wound up spending like fifteen or seventeen dollars because he was he really wasn't willing to to deal on this. Oh god, I love thing. it. I love it when you try to haggle at flea markets because you're like you're so serious about it. It's like you almost like pull them off to the side and you talk to them in a real low whisper, sunglasses on, hats backwards. Dude, I, I, I'm into the Frankenstein, but I, I can't do 20. What can we work out? Look, I want to keep this between us, but you got to help me out here. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I'm laughing because it's true. It is true. <laughs> Anyway, I, I got the thing. I asked him, I'm like, do you even know what this is from? Like, it's just a head. It was clearly broken off of something. Right. He's like, I don't know. He said it, it's part of a Halloween decoration. I'm like, I no shit, Sherlock. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so this was like three, maybe four years ago. Right. Just this Halloween, I'm looking on eBay. I finally randomly, not even purposely looking for this thing, found out. This is what it was, okay? It's a Halloween decoration with a Frankenstein head and a bat's body. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, what? I'm like, this is like your dream come true, Matt. I mean, come on. It, it should be everyone's dream come true. I mean, after three, possibly four years to find out that this mystery Frankenstein head had a bat body. What kind of wizardry is this? Why you saved this for the show and didn't DM me or text me immediately upon finding this out, I will never know. I would have spilled that in the DM and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Now I could make it a big spectacle on the Purple Stuff podcast. Well, I definitely think it was worth eating up all of the vibrators time for. <laughs> but see, the Frankenstein stomp is a perfect soundtrack to that story. This is another song that you're bringing up that I just can't believe I've never heard of before. It would be, like, so perfect in a horror movie. How has it never been in one? Like a horror comedy. Yeah, like a kind of, like, dark comedy with a horror edge to it. I could see the Frankenstein stop playing over the opening credits and midway through, maybe a little bit towards the end, and then over the end credits. And over the end credits, you know who comes in and does the Frankenstein stop, right? Um, Annette Funicello? Elvira, Mistress oh, of the Dark. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hello, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Number four.
That was Pretend We're Dead from punky grunge band L7 back in 1992. This one kind of came out of left field for me, i got to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, this is one of those situations where I am reinterpreting a totally non-Halloween-y song as a Halloween song. Okay. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm back on my shit with this, Jay. I'm all ears. Yeah, so just a little backstory. L7, I was kind of like a poser fan of them way back in high school. Okay. I knew two or three songs, but acted like I was pen pals with the bassist. So I'm, I'm definitely no expert, but I did always enjoy what I heard from them. And Pretend We're Dead, I don't know if that was their biggest hit or just one of their biggest, but it's up there. And depending on your read, it's either about like a bad breakup or just generational apathy, whatever the fuck that means. I don't, Jay, I look up shit on Google like five minutes before we record and I hope it all works out. <laughs> Actually, I did read about where they came up with this. It was actually based on something else. She wrote it as a sort of breakup song, like she was miserable after a breakup or something like that. And then it sort of became this sort of anthem for just the era of apathy, I guess. I still don't know what that means, but that's what I keep reading. I guess maybe what they're saying is they'd rather just pretend that they're dead because maybe that's better than living life. Yeah, I mean, that's a dark read. You're, you're a real uh, spooky character. <laughs> or though, I think where you're going is the death aspect of it is that fits into the Halloween season. No, no, no. It's not even that on the nose. <laughs> I think I have a little a little cooler angle with this. So let's okay. look at the chorus. They can't hear a word we've said when we pretend that we're dead. And to me, that speaks to the horror movie trope where you're in the middle of a bloodbath and you just act like the bad guys already got you. Like when you're laying on the floor and you close your eyes and you just try to, like, breathe real slow. It's like you're in a room full of monsters and you're just pretending you're dead so they don't get you. This reminds me of one time when you tried to convince me that Voices Carry was... Uh... <laughs> it was a spooky. Was that a spooky song? Or... Yes, it was a spooky song, and it is a spooky song. And I believe I have been vindicated <laughs> by the fact that it is on Kids Bop Halloween Volume eighty six. No, it is not. No, it's not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> will you stop? <laughs> but I mean, can't you see my angle? Like, if, picture a zombie movie where you're in like a mall or whatever, a real cliche situation, and all okay, of your friends are getting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. all your friends are being eaten. There's zombies everywhere. And you're like, you know what I should do? I should just pretend like I'm on the floor and dead. Right. Because that's an easy way to avoid being eaten because they think you're dead already. Uh, yeah. Some, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't chisel that into a tablet, but something of that sort. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's what this song is based on. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. I can interpret it as. And plus, I mean, yeah. look, look, there are other lyrics in the song that make that interpretation a tough sell. But we're talking about 13 to 14 words against a pretend we're dead chorus that goes on like 200 times. And that's why I actually I'm not a fan of the song, because if you try listening to this song on loop for like, let's say, an hour, you will want to bang your head up against the glass. Bang your head. <laughs> pretend you're dead. <laughs> I just can't listen to it over and over. Like, that's how I mark a good song. If I could listen to the same song over and over and over, those are the best songs. That's my opinion. Well, Jay, it was a fairly big hit. So there, I mean, there's at least 200 people out there that would disagree with you. And I'm one of them. <laughs> what about, did you watch the video? <laughs> you know, the, I could the, never the... tell when you get to these sort of like grunge punk 
band videos, if I'm watching something that they put out or if I'm watching something that some YouTuber cobbled together and then like switched to a four by three format. <laughs> so I didn't, true. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I did. So the videos were always the same in that era. It was like on a dark background and you just saw the, the band members. And then there's this one girl who's like jumping around like a maniac just, and she's doing all kinds of like, twists in the air and she might have been under some sort of uh supernatural the control of some supernatural entity i think you're, I don't you're, you you're pleading my case now <laughs> <laughs> thanks jay <laughs> i mean i really didn't do a good job in my own cell but you brought it around town <laughs> was Concrete Blonde with Bloodletting, the vampire song. And that was from 1990. We've been doing these spooky song shows for years, and I can't believe it's taken you this long to introduce me to the magic of Concrete Blonde. Yeah, this really is magic. Uh, great song, ominous, guitar-driven song. And for the band themselves, this actually started to turn them more toward the goth vibe, which they got real popular with. But before that, they weren't really known for that, which I thought was really interesting. So what were they before? Um, I mean, they were a rock band, you know, but I mean... Started wearing black clothes... Went for the deeper baritone, and then that was it? Yeah, it became, yeah, they kind of veered more in that direction for the remainder of their career. It's a perfect addition to the Halloween playlist because the song is said to have been inspired by the novels of Anne Rice, particularly Interview with the Vampire. I didn't know that. Did they use it in the movie by any chance? They may have. I haven't seen that movie forever. Fun fact. I used to review movies for my school newspaper, right? Back yeah. in the old days, right? The, yep, yep. the first movie I ever covered for the school newspaper was Interview with a Vampire. How many uh, thumbs up did you give it? Uh, I think I gave it not like what I don't remember how many stars or whatever it was, but it was, if let's say it was five, I gave it like four and a half. Oh, wow. So you were taken in. At that time, I really liked that movie. Yeah. I mean, I, didn't, I haven't watched it since then. So, <laughs> but they paid me to watch the movie. So I thought it was the best game. Your school I ever newspaper had. paid you in general, let alone to watch a horror movie? Yeah. To review the movies, they gave you like a little stipend to pay for your ticket. What did you enjoy more, the money or the chance to say stipend? <laughs> Yo, Ma, I got a stipend. <laughs> 
Ma, bring me to Heroes World. <laughs> <laughs> I need Amigo. <laughs> when I hear this song, if you're going to really look at it from the lyrical perspective, it's clearly like a song about vampires. It's in the title of the song, but you're still going to have people that are like, no, it's about cocaine. Bloodletting plus the video plus the other lyrics would definitely indicate vampirism. She mentions New Orleans, so I'll give a shout out to our friend Bayou Babylon. And that place is said to be one of the most haunted places in America. So, I mean, this song goes right along with that. It's just great for your playlist. It's good mood for the night when you have that playing, you're driving around. Yeah, yeah, all that's, I agree with everything you said. But just to get back, you said she. Is Concrete Blonde a person or a group? It's a group. Okay, so it's like, it's not just a pseudonym for the lead singer. Yeah, no, it's a whole group. And is the joke and that none of them have blonde hair? Like, what's the deal with that name? Yeah, I don't think any of them have blonde hair. Yeah. I don't know where they got the name, though. Tell me the entire history of Concrete Blonde on the fly <laughs> right now, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> you know who should do a commercial for that? We should get the blonde guy who used to always say, I always wanted to know where my mandibula was, or that whole thing. Remember that? <laughs> Vaguely, but yes, we should get him. I'm sure he's not busy. <laughs> you of all people vaguely remember that? Like, it was for Encyclopedia Britannica. Or oh, my God. Him, of course. <laughs> Please, any chance to get the kid from the Encyclopedia <laughs> commercials? Hi, you remember me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could totally see him doing something in conjunction with Concrete Blonde. Yeah, okay, so you wanted to say conjunction, and I needed to say stipend. I have to say, after it came out of my mouth, in my head, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I nailed that word. <laughs> I love that's a great word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one last thing about bloodletting, if I may. Doesn't it sound like it would be the perfect theme song if they did like a sitcom about a family that just happened to be really into death metal? <laughs> like it'd be no no listen like it'd be like normal shit like sat tests and first dates and broken cars but they just all be big time metalheads yeah that's good i like that yeah i would watch it yeah, yeah. come on totally. right after step by step it's kind of funny that you said that because speaking of metal if we can compare this we'll get the robot to play this song for a second and we're gonna put it up against rob zombie's house of a thousand corpses and you tell me if you think that there's similarities between these two songs. Okay. Robot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask and you shall receive. First, here is Concrete Blonde. And now... Here is the song from Rob Zombie. They do have a similar flavor, for sure. I, I would say that the Concrete Blonde song makes me want to like put on eyeliner, but the Rob Zombie song makes me want to spit tobacco into a coffee can. <laughs> and jump into your Bronco. <laughs> exactly. But yes, they, they are from the same family, like maybe brother and sister, which is fitting. 
Okay, not third cousins. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, third cousins in a Rob Zombie movie smells like trouble to me. <laughs> Number six. God, that was the Maniac Cop rap, which played over the closing credits of the 1990 cult hit Maniac Cop 2, <laughs> which I will just admit right now is a movie I've never seen, nor have I seen the first one. And I know that admitting that is just going to make 20 people pile on me with Maniac Cop gifts after we post this, but whatever. For some reason, I feel like this is less, much less of an outrage than some of the other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Karate Kid, Karate yeah, Kid is like a you know ten on the scale. Maniac yeah. Cop and Maniac Cop Two, maybe a three. Yeah. <laughs> First off, I'm amazed that this song even exists. Maniac Cop Two was direct to video. This was not a major franchise. Yeah, you're right, and I think just it was a sign of the times. Yeah. But I mean, I think the fact that it does exist stands as a tribute to the movie because from everything I've read, Maniac Cop 2 is pretty well liked. And it's also streaming free on Amazon Prime. So if you got no plans this weekend, guys, Maniac Cop 2. As you get PayPal 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, I looked this baby up, and by my estimation, there were 73 people who worked on this song, believe it or not. 73 73 people there were there were lyricists and there were music people and composers it was it's just endless but it looks Shell like the actual <laughs> Shell, yes yes exactly but it looks like the actual rappers were Yeshua Barnes and B Dub Woods and Jay if we ever get hired to play those rappers in a <laughs> Mania Cup 2 mockumentary I am calling Yeshua <laughs> You're B Dub yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am almost glad I have never seen these movies because this song is such a good primer on them. Listen to some of these lyrics, Jay. Okay. Set him on fire. I shot him with an Uzi, but he'll show up in your jacuzzi. I was going to comment on that wonderful rhyme scheme. I love it. Yeah, right. The, the composition is just mm, divine. <laughs> uh, another one here. But don't be thinking about police protection because this is one cop with a bad connection. Oh, oh snap. One more for you. <laughs> they killed him once, but he came back. He's the maniac. <laughs> Just outrageously, unrealistically fucking awesome. It is a quality track. I really yeah. agree with you. 
you've brought up some rap tracks on prior shows, and this whole like quiet subgenre of horror rap is becoming my favorite thing. But horror rap like soundtrack songs, because those are always the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're customized to the movie. But like this, this is not just like a regular rap that happens to have some lyrics that are based on a horror movie. Like even the musical flourishes and all that shit make it feel totally appropriate for a Halloween playlist. Nobody gets that customized song for the soundtracks anymore. It rarely happens. Like where an artist will go in and cut a song that they wrote specifically for the movie yeah i mean i guess it it does happen but it doesn't happen in this genre very often like it's more likely that they would license a real song or they would just use the score oh my god i just got hit with such a great idea let's hear it b-dub okay (laughs) this is shawarma or whatever the hell i'm yeshua yeshua Yeshua. um (laughs) so do you remember we brought up for our summer songs, which is available now on our feed or at our Patreon? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. You brought up Suddenly Last Summer uh, by the Motels. Oh, God, man. You've just totally changed my mood by bringing that song up. Get this. Suddenly, midsummer. Oh, right? my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> God, can you call the Motels? You are a good uh, video guy, so you could put together a cut with that song. Yes, I'll, I will make a montage from the movie Midsummer, which I have not seen yet, and I will put it to the motel suddenly Midsummer, which is a song they have yet to record. I'm liking this plan. <laughs> oh, man. I bet you didn't think we were going to go through all that shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, B-Dub, you go where the roads lead, you know? <laughs> Number seven. Oh, the bells are ringing. Now it's time to begin. It's about our school that we're singing. Where the misfits get in. That was the Gravedale High theme song from 1990. Kind of an unusual pick from you. Not really. It's cartoons. It's horror characters. They're in high school. It's a cartoon. Did I say it's a cartoon? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I take it back. This is like, this song could not possibly be more up your alley. Yeah. I mean, I could really get down to this song, though. You know, I always I'm always joking and saying, like, oh, I'm going to get up and dance like an idiot. But like this, I really could dance to. This is 
prestigious to me. Gravedale High. <laughs> it's catchy. No denying it. Yeah, we can get like a choir in New York City at Rockefeller Center singing this. Oh, I God. Can see if you things. do that, you don't have to do anything else for the rest of your life. Your life would have been worth living. I'm going to start a Kickstarter so we can get a chorus in the middle of Rockefeller Center to sing this. And we can have the characters walking around in the big plushy outfits. Well, like I'll, the, I'll say this. As long as you keep the goal at like maybe $310, I think you have a good chance of making it. <laughs> Yeah, but listen, we have to pay to get Rick Moranis there to turn on our Christmas tree lights. <laughs> Rick Moranis. I love that yeah. he was so like, uh, I don't know, like just like I'm leaving Hollywood behind. But he did Gravedale High, which is almost incongruous. <laughs> That's not true. This is one of the highlights of his career, in my opinion. Uh, no, but... I, I think it was good for him. And this was like in the era when Rick Moranis was like fucking was on everything. Shit. It's like yeah. he's on the bags of bread, for Christ's sake. He was just everywhere. But think about it, though. This guy, not only did he have his previous comedic career, but then when he started doing movies, Spaceballs, Little Shop of Horrors, Ghostbusters, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I mean, Parenthood. Parenthood. He was in that? Yeah, he was in Parenthood. He was in My Blue Heaven, too. Oh, I love. Yes. Well, scratch that. Yes. Yeah. My Blue Heaven. You're correct. I mm. love that. Movie. But yeah, I mean, he was in everything. He was he was the greatest in everything. To me, uh, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoyed the show is because we used to get stuff like Camp Candy, cartoons that had a character who was a real life person. Yeah, I have to be honest. I was not a big fan of that whole thing, but it was in a way kind of cool because it made these what would have otherwise been lesser animated series feel like such a huge deal. Like, oh, my God, if these stars are on Saturday morning, then, wow, that's awesome. Think about that. It could have been. Anybody they could have got like Elvira or somebody God, famous. How many fucking times? I mean, that's that's number two. <laughs> where I guess we're about halfway through the show. Are we gonna get to seventeen Elvira references by the time we're through? <laughs> oh, stop! You like it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. So Rick Moranis plays Max Schneider. He's a teacher at a school for monsters, uh, and they're basically all uh, the lineage of the Universal monsters, essentially. So. Right. Uh, I have to admit, uh, this is a blind spot for me. I've never seen an episode of this show. You should watch at least a couple of the season. Uh, it only lasted 13 episodes, which was pretty appropriate just for that number. But I think it should have lasted 113 episodes. Wow, only 13 episodes. Jeez. Yeah. Plug was pulled, huh? It sucks because they could have done a lot more with it. So I have to settle for my really mediocre bootleg of the series. Yeah, uh, speaking of bootleg, I mean, the hard thing about this song is that if you look it up, you have to wad through like 45 pages of the worst sounding garbage imaginable before you yeah. finally like it's like every vid on YouTube went from VHS to DVD to ABI to WMV to MP3. It's terrible. It's real. And then eventually, like you get to page 35 and you find one that's great. Yeah, I probably could have made it a lot easier just sending you a link. You like to make me work a little bit. But there was a shot in the opening credits of the creature from the Black Lagoon using a live shark as a surfboard, and I was all in. Gil Waterman. Gil Waterman. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Jackie Earl Haley. Was he the voice? Yes. Oh, my. So it's, 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 like, a, it's like a horror convention, the whole cast it, it, here. It is, yeah. <laughs> they had some really awesome toys in the Happy Meals. 
They did. I am more familiar with the Happy Meals. In fact, around here somewhere, I have a stack of just the bags. I have like a hundred of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, someone's selling a hundred Gravedale High bags on eBay. I better buy them. I'm never again going to have the opportunity to buy a stack of Happy Meal bags for Gravedale High. Let's just say you were in a random conversation with someone and they happened to mention that they need several hundred of these bags. Like you're the one guy in the entire world who has them. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of my gimmick is that I'm not really good at anything. So I try to just stand out by having weird information on things. <laughs> he's no fun. He sucks in general, but he's got a lot of Gravedale High Happy Meal bags. <laughs> Number eight. And that was the theme to WCW's first ever Halloween Havoc pay-per-view event from 1989. Because we can't seem to get through any of these spooky song shows without bringing up wrestling. <laughs> wrestling has to be brought up all the time. Yeah, yeah, we have to meet our quotas. Yeah. Uh, you and me, we were both way more into the WWF, but I gotta say, I loved Halloween Havoc, and I ordered that pay-per-view a few times back then. You did. See, I didn't see this live. Um, I wound up watching a few of them like later on. Yeah, I didn't see the, this one live. This was 1989. Like, I, I don't even know if, how much I even knew WCW was around that point. But I saw the later ones, and it was just so cool to get a legit spooky-themed wrestling pay-per-view event that close to Halloween. WWF had Survivor Series, which was the Thanksgiving theme, but holy shit, like Halloween was a missed opportunity. Right, right. It was so weird that they never, WWF were so much bigger, but they never really did much for the spooky season. And, you know, there yeah. comes WCW with the save. And at that point in my life, nobody was inviting me to parties, but I was too old to go trick-or-treating. So this was like my big thing for a few years. It's such a great idea. Tony Schiavone in a Dracula costume? Come on, Jay. <laughs> Let's go up to Gordon Soley. <laughs> <laughs> Ghoulish Gordon Soley. <laughs> so I was not on the bandwagon in 1989, and that is a shame because this theme song ugh, is boss. It is really awesome. Yeah. I love it. Most of the Halloween Havoc events had their own themes, and pretty much all of them are good. But I think this is the only one that I would genuinely pitch as appropriate for a Halloween playlist. See, I wanted it to be slightly more Halloween-y, but it does fit. And I think what helped the song is that it plays in the intro. And when the intro comes on and the graphics and all that, tell me it, it wasn't X Entertainment header circa like 2001. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was very much like, here's a gift that's going to take approximately eight hours to complete. So this is... um. Essentially a six-second riff that just loops forever, but, I mean, it works. It's a good song to throw on when you're, like, trying to clean your house two hours before the party. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. 
and the event itself, Halloween Havoc 1989, it didn't have as many like spooky theme matches as the later events did, but it did have a main event where a bunch of guys fought in a Thunderdome cage decorated with Halloween garbage. Being lowered down. What an intimidating sight. It's electrified. I have never seen a cage like this. And see, that's where I have to kind of pump the brakes because they're trying to market this as this Halloween pay-per-view. And you just mentioned there wasn't a lot about the event that was seasonal. So you're watching it and you're hoping for like, maybe they got somebody in the Grim Reaper costume come out or like do anything or put some pumpkins on the stage or right. you know, whatever. So, they they so eventually the, did do that though in their defense. Like later Halloween Havoc events, like they were all in costume. They were, yeah. I mean, there was a fucking match, in, I think it was 1992, somewhere around there, where the objective was to strap your opponent into an electric chair and electrocute them. <laughs> yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, they were still growing at this point. So, here's my issue. They're calling it the Thunderdome match, right? Right. Which is taken from Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, Totally. But here's my issue. Where was Tina Turner? Am I right? She she wanted a little (laughs) too much dough. I mean, it was Turner. I don't know. They should have been able to get her. (laughs) Did you notice that before this Thunderdome cage match started that some of the Halloween decorations that were attached to the cage went on fire. I did notice that. And it was not part of the show. Yeah, more like the ref ran up and like he's like slapping it. Oh my god, it's so great. Like they're introducing Ric Flair and then off to the side you have the referee trying to smack out like this fiery bat. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then the great the great Muta, is that his name? He hops on the ropes and he blows green mists at them to that, try to put the yeah. flames out. Totally unscripted, totally hilarious, and so WCW. Yes. The cage a little higher up. Whereas where the, the wiring, they make it electrified. Oh, it looks like, as a matter of fact, something has already caught on fire over there. I told you, we talked about it being dangerous. Hey, we have never seen one either, fans. You're seeing it for the first time. Thanks to Turner Home Entertainment and World Championship Wrestling and your great cable company. Remember our next pay-per-view spectacular from the Omni in Atlanta. The great Muda sprays the fire. He'll put it out. He'll put it out. Yeah, he'll put it out. I saw someone go running down with a fire extinguisher, and Muda said, I got my own. Number nine. Well, get that spell on me. Typo negative, Matt, uh, with black number one. <laughs> <laughs> loving you was like loving the dead. <laughs> so this is that masterpiece 
goth metal track that is pretty much synonymous with Halloween for a lot of people. I mean, it wasn't for me, but I think now it will. Yeah, because it's amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, a big shock. I don't know much about Typo Negative, but now that you've uh, indoctrined me, I'm yeah. all in. Oh, God. I mean, this is the type of song that, compared to L7, this is a song I could just listen to over and over and over. I never get sick of it at all. If you knock L7 one more time, <laughs> you're going to have to find yourself a new co-host, Jay. <laughs> I was more into L8. You know, I'm 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 accepting your fucking Gravedale High Concrete Blonde. What the fuck else did you bring up on the show? Now I'm accepting this this song from a band that if I was in 7-Eleven by myself and they walked in, I would be up Shit's Creek because they would kick the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, they look like wrestlers. <laughs> they do, like totally. Yeah. Motion for WWE to switch the Undertaker's theme to this. Yes. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Undertaker, there's a shot in the video where Pete Steele looks like Undertaker for a second because he throws his eyeballs back at the He his totally head. did do that. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know his name was Pete Steele, but yeah, he totally did the eye roll. Yeah. And I kept thinking, I'm like, I wonder if Taker stole this. Let's figure this out. When did this song come out? No, Taker premiered in 90. Typo song was from 1993. So. They, Pete they Steele was a taker, Mark. That's totally fucking it. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. That's awesome. Now, yeah. I'm, now I'm all in on Typo Negative, my new favorite band. They were like really big on pop culture. They would reference like real obscure crap from different like movies and TV shows and stuff like that. So they were like us, only DACA? Yeah, they were us. Yeah, except doom metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, this song isn't really like, I mean, it's rocking. It's probably more your style than mine but I, I i see the angle and why you picked it it's a tongue-in-cheek kind of like a mock on a pseudo goth girl he starts talking about how she dyes her hair with this black number one dye mm -hmm. and it's kind of like they're not maybe real goth girls so he's kind of poking fun at them in the lyrics mm. well i feel attacked because i mean everything you described sounds a lot like me <laughs> <laughs> the girl in the song says she can't go out because her roots are showing uh and like metaphorically they're covering up who they really are yeah i also can relate to that but i have to say that <laughs> roots showing is a good look so i don't know why she's hiding it i i agree <laughs> yeah, I yeah. it's but like yeah, then... i mean i i've dyed my hair every freaking week since i was 20 and now i'm 50 and <laughs> I gotta say, like I, the first two weeks are are just death, but when you get to the roots showing, then you're you're ready to hit the town. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that is. Somebody said they're like the weird owl of goth bands. It's like they know they are goth, but they make fun of it at the same time. Well, the... I, I kind of like that. I'm thinking of these people, and they're like worth a hundred million dollars or whatever. I'm like, you're not really fucking skinning deer and eating their hearts in your mansion, you know? So I like, I appreciate it when these kinds of bands can be a little like, yeah, it's just a look, whatever. You got that realism. Plus, they're from the tri-state area. I mean, clearly not Jersey, or you would have said so. Yeah, they're from New York. Aha! I mean, New York. New York, <laughs> represent me and Typo in the house. <laughs> Um, so you dug this song, Matt? I did. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm 
soft things with lavender trim. I'm grilled chicken in diet soda. And this song is like a raw steak being served by a bulldog at an open casket funeral. <laughs> that aside, I did appreciate it. <laughs> all right. And did you see the video by any chance? I did. I did. I It was all black and white mostly, right? Yeah. If I remember yes. correctly, it was uh, overlit to the point of oversaturation. So it's almost like... Uh, it's almost like Nosferatu in some ways. Yeah, it, it's definitely like that. And they're all playing the song in this room. And you kind of get a little view from the outside of the room. And then they start to pan in. But everybody's going crazy to this song. And it just makes me want to rock out. Lots of very close shots of teeth in this video. Which, you know, oh, de depending yes. on where you lean, is either a good thing or a bad thing. You know who he reminded me of? That guy Jaws from the James Bond movie. You know, oh we'll my god, yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit. Number 10. Last pick is Sex Dwarf by Soft Cell back in 1981. This was quite a pick. Yeah, I know you're probably, you have some questions, I think. <laughs> so, like I said earlier, sometimes I like to reinterpret legit songs as Halloween novelty songs. And, uh, Jay, I don't, yeah, I, I gotta be honest, Jay, I don't really have a good argument for Sex Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it fits irrespective of the lyrics. Like, the guy is singing all mean-like, and there are these big horror things and these crazy sound effects. And it just, like, when you listen to it, it feels like you're on some kind of haunted roller coaster. Oh, I can see that. I was actually the opposite of agreeing with you. And then you said that and kind of pulled me back over yeah, this no, way. Totally, because it's got all these dips, and it's all very... It's it's a very spooky song. If you just listen to if like imagine a stripped down version where you didn't hear anything lyrically and you just heard the music, this is a fucking horror song, hundred percent. I mean, I no no I don't no. You don't mean you don't mean you, you're not on the fence. You're you agree with me hundred percent. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. <laughs> it's not a horror song or a Halloween song. There's no references in the lyrics at all that would point to it being a spooky song, but. I'll give you, I think he's using like a theremin, like to make that noise, well, maybe. That shit you take when you have a cold? Yeah, yeah theremin flu. What the fuck is a theremin? <laughs> you don't know what a theremin is? Theremin or, th theremin or theremin are you saying? <laughs> theremin. What the fuck is a theremin? <laughs> 
oh shit, that shit that they used at the start of the Star Trek show. I I don't fucking know. It just put on a theremin. What does it look like? What, hold on, I gotta look up a theremin. Hold on, know what it looks let me get my like. phone. Theremin, theremin. Yeah, it's so common that I don't even get like an autofill for it. Hold what? On. What are you talking about? You're spelling it wrong. No, no, I got it here. Oh shit! It looks like a like a, it's like a Flintstones TV antenna. <laughs> what do you do with this thing? So it makes spooky sounds. Oh. So maybe you're right. Maybe yeah. there you go. See, I was right. The the terrible theremin. <laughs> and you mentioned the uh, the lyrics. Like I be, I'll be honest. I I tried to look up what the song was about, and every article was like ten thousand words. I'm like, oh god, I'm not putting this much work into my last pick. But I did read the lyrics, and it seems to be this sort of like tongue in cheek tribute to excess okay like you I know mean, pure general... like pure excess like well i mean they're mentioning i don't know fucking disco dancing i'm taking that as excess and excess kind of works for halloween oh yes because you're getting like tons of candy and you're very gluttonous yeah and you're just doing anything you want and eating anything you want yeah when i'm doing the practice run for my trial this is when the other lawyer tells me to drop this part of the case <laughs> It ain't working, man. Just just, just move on. Find something else. So I'm going to move on to Soft Cell themselves here. This is the same band that did Tainted Love. Mm -hmm. And I think Sex Dwarf is the only other song of theirs that I know. So that's a pretty big split in vibe. Mm, yeah, it's definitely a total departure. Like, if, if someone's listening and they don't necessarily know much about Soft Cell, but they've heard Tainted Love, can you believe that the people that did Tainted Love, which was this, like, Totally saccharine cliche that would have fit into every 1980s teen romance. Also did yeah. Sex Dwarf. The lead singer, did you know this guy? His last name is Almond. Wait, is it legit Almond? What's his first name? <laughs> it's like... I don't care I, what it is. Cool... It could be Mike. Mike Almond. Not, even that's Mike... awesome. <laughs> Mike Almond from Soft Cell who sings Sex Dwarf. That's my favorite sentence I've ever said and I'm going to say it again. Mike Allman from Soft Cell, who did Sex Dwarf. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The most Halloween-y song you've ever heard. It's opposite day. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> So that was our spooky song show, Matt. Yes, we're uh, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh, yeah. I gotta disagree. No, I do. This I'm not just. The... I'm Cream just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually, I'm telling you, as we roll forward with more editions of this, I find myself liking our mixes more because they are not songs that people are expecting to hear. And I think we will introduce people to some songs, even if few of them maybe they're gonna be like <laughs> i think it's a, a good thing to make it like a well-rounded type of playlist rather than just like the stuff you expect 
So, right. yes, I agree. And I think it's cool when somebody says, oh, hey, man, uh, I heard you mention that song. I love that song, you know. So, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, I just can't imagine now, like the, the, the tens and dozens of people that are going to come forward and say, holy shit, L7s pretend we're dead. That is like fucking thriller <laughs> of the 90s. <laughs> That's the beauty of social media, because you can always count on somebody to support something that you thought was just the worst thing you ever did. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. You could so also that, you could also count on somebody shitting on what you think is the most important thing you ever did. <laughs> you're right, you're right. But you got to think positive. Yeah. So to Damocles. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to run through your picks, Matt, for the mm-hmm. night. Let me go through here. We have some interesting picks. Maniac Cop 2, The Rap. Mhm. <laughs> Uh, by Sherwin uh, and Yeshua and B Dub. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sherwin. <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> we had Halloween Havoc, nineteen eighty nine. Yep. And then we had uh, Spooky's the theme song mm-hmm. from the intro. Right. And then L seven pretend we're dead, which I think so- is a strong contender for you tonight. Based <laughs> on prior feedback, I think uh, you're all in on L seven. <laughs> And lastly, we had Sex Dwarf by Soft Cell. I like that. It's almost like game show theme song music. <laughs> no, it's like horror Halloween spooky music. <laughs> All right, now it's the it's like the closing credits of a late seventies TV sitcom. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it is a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Fred Berry and Soft Cell on stage, one time only. Oh shit! So I think we could safely eliminate "Pretend We're Dead" and "Sex Dwarf." <laughs> yes yes no. so um and that leaves me with uh maniac cop 2 mm-hmm. and i uh, will go also with the halloween havoc theme song i'm gonna drop spookies off of there yeah it's a good song but it's not really i mean it's it's not making you half erect yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm definitely going with halloween havoc 1989 wow and the reason why is it because you just hated all my other picks? No, I really love the Halloween Havoc 89 song. And I feel like as devoid of any Halloween spookiness whatsoever, all of your picks were. Sex ball. So I feel like Halloween Havoc actually had, even in its absence of Halloween, still had the most Halloween kind of vibe out of all of them. Right. So this was a process of elimination for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. To, but to I mean, try... you have to admit this, like, I honestly feel like I would listen to the Halloween Havoc 1989 theme in my car. Not often, but sometimes. I would, too. And I was listening to it on the elliptical before. Yeah, you go to the gym. We all know it, Jay. Good for fucking you. Hey, at least I'm not doing gym selfies. 
like you over there with yeah, your you gym know, I, I know, my God. Towel on the bench, headphones <laughs> in, biceps showing. So the thing with this track, Matt, I feel like we can sing Halloween Havoc over the theme song. You want to try it with me? Sure. Okay. Count me down. I'll count you down. All right, hold on. Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc. See? Yeah, I mean, we're singing two different songs. Ha, ha, Halloween. Ha, ha, Halloween Havoc. I don't know what we're singing. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween Havoc. Ha, 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 Halloween. I think that went well. I think so, too. Yeah. Okay, so you picked the Halloween Havoc 1989 theme. Now let me look at yours. You brought to the table uh, Real Ghostbusters Midnight Action. Yes. Concrete Blonde Bloodletting. Typo Negatives Black Number One. Yeah. Um, the fuck else did you talk about here tonight? Gravedale High theme song. Yes. And The Vibrators with Frankenstein Stomp. And wow, I, I really am going to have a hard time here. Yeah, there's some good ones here. Yeah. I'm going to ditch Gravedale High. Yes. I, I am going to... Mm, I'm going to ditch Midnight Action. Really? Yeah. 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 I, it's good, but I just don't want to pick it. I don't want to pick it. Um, <laughs> the Vibrators, I did... Mommy, don't make me pick it! <laughs> <laughs> the Vibrators, I did enjoy, but I just don't feel like I want to give them the title. So now we are down to Concrete Blonde and Typo Negative. And I am going to go with Bloodletting by Concrete Ooh, Blonde. Wow. Here's the thing. I just, I don't know how, like, maybe I've just like had the uh, fucking blanket over my head, but I feel like I have not seen this one mentioned all that often as being a song that should be on everyone's Halloween playlist. And it totally should. Yeah, it's it's right up there. And I told you this when you mentioned that you were going to bring it up. I'm like, well, as soon as we publish the show, I'm adding it to my site's jukebox because it is like yeah. an amazing song that deserves to be heard constantly. So we had Concrete Blonde with Bloodletting was your pick and uh, and Halloween Havoc theme, 1989, yeah. which I thought was kind of a low-key song, but it's one of those songs that, like you said, you could be driving around and it'll be on in the car. I dig that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you pair those two songs, the the classic song Bloodletting by uh, fabled rock band Concrete Blonde and the theme to the 1989-only edition of WCW's Halloween Havoc wrestling pay-per-view, you have a perfect pair right there. Yes, that was a great pair and well put. You're not going to use Great Pair to drop in another Elvira reference, are you? <laughs> she would appreciate that. She would. <laughs> so that was our spooky song show, Jay. Indeed it was, Matt. One of the biggest uh, things we do during the Halloween season, and we hope all of you enjoyed it, and we hope that you get to put some new tracks on your playlists. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> so this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. Want to remind you that we are on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Purple Stuff, where you can get an extra spooky bonus show that will be available this month. That reminds me, uh, we have a lot more Halloweening to do on the Purple Stuff Podcast. We got a lot more coming up this season, which I'm excited for. I know you are, too. Let's look at this logistically. We've already burned through all the shit at Target and Walmart and CVS and Walgreens and all that shit. We're going to have nothing left to do at podcast next month. <laughs> That's true. We're going to have to yeah. burn it out. Oh, Unless... my God. There's nothing left to see or buy. We better talk. <laughs> Unless Burger King comes out with another Halloween hamburger. <laughs> oh, my God. That right now is my biggest dream. Yeah. <laughs> The Frankenstein burger or something. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's to me, that's the song of the night right there. The That version of the song. And <laughs> <laughs> we need to hear more of that. Somebody needs to cut that that version of the song. You know what? Uh, maybe I will record an acapella version of Soft Cell Sex Wharf at some point. <laughs> You should. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I am Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. See you next time on Ha 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 Halloween Havoc. Ha 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 Halloween Havoc. Halloween, Halloween, Halloween Havoc. Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.